So the gospel reading from Mark chapter 16 says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices that they might go to anoint Jesus' body very early on the first day of the week. And just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And that's how Mark's gospel ends. His story ends with silence rather than hallelujah. It ends with fear instead of triumph. It's the most unsatisfactory ending to this good news story. But now if you have a physical Bible with you or one on your phone and you were to open it up into Mark chapter 16, you would notice that you would see verse 9 and 10 all the way through verse 20. But that's not how Mark originally ended his story. All that was added later on. Mark ends his story right here in verse 8 with the women running away in silence. But you see, that was a problem for some of the early Christians, and so they wanted to try to fix Mark's gospel. And so at the end, they had Jesus up on the Mount of Galilee proclaiming himself Lord of Lord, King of Kings, casting out demons, picking up snakes, and all the other stuff. That it's like whoever was copying Mark's gospel down in the second century, they, they came to the ending, the scribe came to the ending where it says they fled from the tomb They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And the scribe thought, well, it can't end like this. But Mark originally ended his story with uncertainty. Because uncertainty wasn't a problem for Mark. It might be a problem for us, but for Mark, uncertainty wasn't something that needed to be fixed. And so did you know... Did you know that God is present with you, not only in the loud alleluias and triumphant shouts, but God is present with you in the midst of speechlessness? So I I don't know where you're at this Sunday. And maybe you don't feel a whole lot of new life on this resurrection Sunday. I'm going to try to get you there, but even if I don't, I hope you know that God still persists. And that's what I love about the way that Mark ends his story. That if you notice, the one thing that's missing from Mark's story, kind of important, it's Jesus. Where is Jesus? That in the other three gospel accounts, Matthew, Luke, and John, 
Jesus appears and he's speaking a word to the women and the disciples telling them that what they thought was impossible turns out it's actually true. But in Mark's gospel, there is no appearance of Jesus. There is just an announcement. He is not here. As a later author of the Bible tells us, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. But how often? How often is our faith eclipsed by our expectations? That in the midst of disappointment, heartache, despair, we echo that same sad chorus, well, what can you expect? It's somebody who's disappointed you before, lets you down again, well, what can you expect? You turn on the news to hear about what our government is up to or not up to, well, what can you expect? You hear about people gathered for worship on a Sunday morning, their churches exploded, well, what can you expect? You gather around a hospital room with a loved one. When just yesterday it seemed like the doctors gave you a glimmer of hope, maybe he'll pull through, but today there's just the strange silence of the machines and the quiet, hushed shuffling of a Kleenex box around the room. Well, what can you expect? We dare to hope only to have life turn out just as it always has before. Well, what can you expect? And I imagine that's what Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, were thinking as they walked towards the tomb early that morning. They were the custodians of the crucifixion, the trash-collecting body bearers from Friday night. It says that they brought spices with them, the original Spice Girls. There we go. Lighten the mood. And they were coming with essential oils to anoint Jesus' body. You don't do that for somebody who's still alive. You see, they expected to find a stiff, cold, decomposing body that had been lying there since Friday. And they came with these fragrant spices to try to combat in vain the stench of death. They expected to feel grief and anger towards the people who had crucified and killed their Jesus. They expected to feel tears rolling down their cheeks as they uncovered his body. These women knew the sad drill. Show up pay your respects, deal with the body, and walk back home the same way from whence you came, knowing what you had always known before. You're born, you die, you try to do the right thing, but look what it gets you. There's nothing new under the sun. Well, what can you expect? The only thing they expected to find at that tomb was closure. Closure, not just on a deeply personal relationship, that was there for sure, but closure on a world-changing dream. That they were trying to make peace not only with the death of a person, but they were trying to make peace with the death of God, or at least the man who mistook himself 
forgot. And as they're walking to the tomb that morning, they're saying to one another, who's going to roll the stone away? You notice who else is missing from this scene. That not only is Jesus not there, but where's everybody else at? Where's John, the beloved disciple? Where, where, where's Thomas? Where's, where's Peter? You remember Peter? Peter was the one who Jesus said, upon you I will build my church. Peter was the valid Victorian of his class of disciples. Peter was the one who was stubbornly faithful, but, but now he's not here. The last they had seen him, he was denying that he ever even knew Jesus. Well, what can you expect? And as the women are arguing over who's going to roll the stone away, it says this in verse 4. It says, but when they looked up, when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. That they were anticipating failure. How can we roll this heavy stone away? And when they look up, they see that it's already gone. That sometimes you just need to change your perspective, look up and see that while you are anticipating failure, God preemptively provides a future. That we need only to look up. That in the darkness of the night, we can look up and see that the stone is rolling away. That it doesn't have to end like this. That we can look up and see that what seemed to have sealed your fate is not final. This is not the end. Stones are rolling away. As I turn towards your neighbor this morning and tell him it can't end like this. And because it's Easter, be sure that they got it and tell them this is not the end. This is not the end. Because this all can't end in a grave. This all can't end with a stone keeping resurrection trapped. This all can't end with failure. This all can't end like this. But watch this, watch. The angel says, you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. That apparently Jesus had better things to do on Sunday morning than be hanging around a grave. That Jesus is already out there on the move. The proof of his power is his absence. See the place where they laid him? There's nothing there. He is not here. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about the things that we do not see. The proof of new life is that Jesus has already gone on ahead of us. But how often, come on, how often do we want to hang around the grave? How often do we want to keep looking at our failure? How often do we want to stick around the place where life can live no longer? But the good news The good news is that our God is not defined by a grave. See where they laid him? It's empty. And ain't nobody taking him. He walked up out of here. He's gone. There's nothing here for you any longer. Jesus is already on the move. 
And so while you're so busy asking, well, what can we expect? Jesus has already answered the question for you. This, this, this is not the end. Go and meet me in Galilee. And oh, while you're at it, tell the disciples and Peter. Peter, the one who had disappointed Jesus the most. Go tell Peter. He's called out by name. Go tell Peter to meet me in Galilee. Go tell Peter that what he thought ended on a cross didn't end on a cross. That what he thought ended in a grave didn't end in a grave. What Peter thought ended in failure was just a new beginning. And so for every Peter, for every Mary, for every Salome who has been through a season of disappointment, for everyone who has asked that sad rhetorical question, well, what can you expect? That while you are expecting failure, the empty tomb has made a future certain. That while you are expecting death, the empty tomb makes new life certain. That while you are expecting hopelessness, the empty tomb makes victory certain. That while you are expecting it to hurt like hell, it tasted a little bit like heaven. You don't have to keep expecting the same sad ending. You don't have to keep expecting the worst thing. Because Easter tells us that the worst thing isn't the last thing. That it doesn't end on a cross. It doesn't end in a grave. It doesn't have to end like this, that this, this is not the end. That what we say today is that Christ is risen, and he is risen indeed. So Easter, Easter says that that everything that we have come to expect is now left to uncertainty. That everything that we once expected to be certain is now up for grabs. They say that there's two things that you can be certain of in life. Death and taxes. I can't help you with your taxes today. But I can help with the first one. That Easter proclaims speaks a word over death, that death is now just dot, 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 to be continued. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. You see, Mark ends his story in what seems to us such a strange way, it, it ends with them running away from the tomb in fear. That is fear really the final note in Mark's gospel? Like, is this really how it all goes down? Does fear really have the last word? It's such a strange and interesting ending. But I like to think of Mark's gospel not ending with a period but ending with an ellipsis, those three small dots. That after the women fled from the tomb, saying nothing to anyone because they were afraid, dot, dot, dot. It's terribly open-ended, threatening to end in fear and failure. 
But I think Mark intentionally left it open-ended. That he's placing the burden of responsibility squarely on our shoulders. That we are to be the ones who are to go and tell that Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified, is risen. He is not here any longer, and he has gone on ahead of us just as he has promised. You see, at the very beginning of Mark's gospel, it says this, Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the very beginning of it all, it says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, dot, dot, dot. This is just the beginning. This is not the end. This is the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Mark knew that his ending would leave people feeling a little uncertain, but he warned about trying to fix his ending from the very beginning of it all. That the end is just the beginning. That this is not the end. This is the beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah. And so that by the time we get to Mark chapter 16, maybe, maybe verse 9 is up to us. Maybe that's why I feel so uncertain. That Mark is asking us, how will your story end? Will your story end in fear or in possibility? Will your story end with running scared or running to the one who has promised to go ahead of you and meet you there? Will it end with the tomb? The story doesn't end where Mark left off. The story continues on with us, and we pick up where the women left off to go and tell the world that Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified, is risen. He is not here. He has gone on ahead of us to meet us there before we even asked or invited him to because that's what Jesus does. Or the choice is that we end the story with fear and put a period at the end of it. See, the significance of Easter is those three dots. Dot, dot, dot. Well, what can you expect? If I can't see him, then how can I know he's there for sure? That if he hasn't appeared, what proof do I have? And you may feel like you're at the end of something right now and it all seems a little uncertain that you're wanting a different ending, that you're crying out. It can't end like this. Somebody come and fix the ending to my story. It can't end like this. But Jesus is saying, this ain't the end. This is just the beginning. Trust me, I've been there before. Go on ahead And meet me in the next place, because I'm already there. The resurrection is believing in spite of what we think that we already know for certain. Faith is confidence. It's confidence in what we hope for. An assurance about what we do not see. Your Easter story is in those three dots. Dot, dot, dot. How's it going to end for you? And I got good gospel news on this Resurrection Sunday. The good news is that what you thought was over for certain, it's now up for grabs. 
What you thought was over is now left wide open. What you thought was finished isn't final. That this is not the end. That today is your dot, 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 third day. Today is your dot, 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 Easter day. Today is the day of new life. And even though you might feel uncomfortable about the uncertainty, Jesus is saying, I've already gone on ahead of you. Even though you may want a different ending, Jesus is saying, this ain't the end. This is just a new beginning that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Y'all, come on, help me finish this. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. We thought that the cross was the end. We thought that when the stone was rolled over the tomb, that that was it. But this is it. The dead are living. The stone is rolled away. And there is one word to describe it all. Alleluia. Christ is risen. We thought that the story was over when Jesus spoke that last word. We thought that this was the end. We thought that that was it, but this is it. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. There is one word to describe it all. Alleluia. Christ is risen.